Ah, there it is, the cold storage building, also known as the greatest refrigerator on earth. Thanks for tuning in. Today I wanted to get back to talking about the destruction of the 1893 Chicago World Fair. And of course I am of the opinion that Chicago was an ancient city. The construction of much of the Chicago World Fair was a hoax, but then again even its destruction was a bit shady. Do me a favor, like this video, subscribe if you haven't already, leave a comment below. But getting back to the cold storage building, it was after all the first to go down. Now the lower level provided cold storage for thousands of pounds of food served every day at the exposition, whereas the upper story featured an ice skating rink. I read somewhere that plans were drawn to refinish the exteriors in marble after the fair was completed and the exhibitors had gone home on the Reading Railroad. Makes sense. Good labor is hard to come by in two years time, you know. Best to build the city by the crafty hands of cake caterers and ice sculptures, and then do the job right afterwards. Is that how it goes? Don't ask me to find that source again. I simply read it somewhere and believe it to be so. Because really, a lame story like that does sound like one of their many chronic excuses. And yet again, another clever diversion from the obvious. The buildings were centuries old, and the fire was always intended to be so. The media seems incapable of doing anything on a nation or worldwide level unless a staged performance is involved. I mean, can we really expect a chronological liar to tell the truth even when they're handed the winning argument? Why raise the bar for the media then? Newspapers sell a spellbinding story in the same way that I can smell a psyop. And the July 22nd, 1893 cold storage building fire was no exception. Those are some detailed sketches, particularly the destruction of the cold storage building. Lots of people with cameras at a fair. Was nobody around to photograph it? There were. Why not just use real pictures then? And yet the drawing is so lifelike. Are we expected to believe the fire department brought along a courtroom sketch artist? Notice how they pencil in the same falling man that we would later experience on 9-11. It's a tarot card thing. Well, what do you know? Somebody was present to snap a picture. Is it just me though, or does this picture look fake? Does it look fake to you? Because it looks fake to me. I've seen plenty of pictures of movie sets and looking at this, it would be difficult to tell a difference between them. Ironic since the World's Fair is sold to us as a movie set. An extra is walking along reading a newspaper while the chaos ensues. But far more glaringly, are we expected to believe the cold storage building is dead and has already become a ghost? Look at how it fades away into eternity after its untimely passing. So sad. You can see right through it as it leans over and collapses. Even temporary buildings have souls and that's what one of them looked like. You didn't believe me when I said it was a movie set, did you? Explain to me then the drawing of a fire in the background. The people are real in the foreground, but they're all staring at a cartoon. I'm not seeing a director, but that's no biggie. You figure somebody yelled action, which then prompted the fire carts to gallop down the street, bills clanging, while everybody stared off into the distance to watch a cartoon fire. 
I've been staring back and forth at both pictures for a few minutes now, and I'm somewhat certain the cartoon fire takes chronological precedence before Ghost Tower. The building is far more destroyed in that one, but I'll let you decide. If so, then it tells us that different special effects artists were taking a crack shot at the post-production work, as someone neglected to add the ghost tower. In one, the flames are hot. No ghost tower. In the other, they've set the fire hoses onto the flames. The flames are doused. Ghost tower. The anomalies in this photograph alone are many. Certainly not far and few between. The shadows don't line up quite right. Support for the elevated streetcar turns a little too far to our left, whereas the pedestrians on stage right have shadows pulling too far in the opposite direction. But that's not the whole of it. Some shadows are far too long, and others too short. We're looking at a composite image. Oh look, it's the falling man again, positioned exactly in the same way as the newspaper drawing. I'll ask, but I'm afraid to. Does that look like a real person to you? We're still on a movie set and that's claymation. Not simply the falling man though. Everyone on the wall is claymation. On closer inspection, even the smoke is a cartoon, as well as the distorted windows where the smoke is coming from. But then again, so are the two men on the cartoon horse and buggy. No wonder why the newspapers decided to go with sketches. The special effects simply weren't up to par quite yet. The only actors I'm inclined to suspect are real people can be found in the middle of the scene. They're either holding up a baseball bat for a good old-fashioned American game of run the Freemason bases, or we're witnessing a gang of Irish immigrants about to beat the snot out of an Italian. I just found what appears to be a reliable picture with no apparent funny business or post-edit special effects, which documents the burning down of the Chicago Road Fair. You never really know, though. And as you can clearly see, the public were invited to stand around and watch. There is nothing unordinary about this fire whatsoever. As someone who grew up in Southern California, where wildfires are a thing, the blaze looks precisely as how I would imagine any inferno as it engulfs a permanent residency. That's not to say that Burnham and Company, the architectural firm behind the Chicago World Fair, didn't introduce their own flair to the architecture. A spire here, molding there, cheap and temporary additions intended to mask the age of the city. If I need to spill it out for you, those flames are eating away at quality material. For a city built of popsicle sticks and staff, I'd expect to see the Columbian Exposition reduced to ashes. That's not exactly what happened though. As you can clearly see, the cameramen focus in upon the wreckage in the foreground, hoping to frame a picture of annihilation, when in fact not even the statue of the Republic is rendered in ashes, as we're so often told. Fire damage, maybe, but loss of the flames, no. Sure, Burnham's cake toppers are dissolved to ashes, but the ancient structures remain. As far as this picture describes, I'm reminded of the fire ceremony at Notre Dame in Paris. As a pedestrian, I was there within a couple days of the fire, within maybe two to three, four, I'm not quite sure, but I was there to inspect the wreckage. 
Damage was done, but it wasn't total. Difficult to tell from the aftermath photo, but the original statue of the Republic held a globe in its right hand and an eagle with outstretched wings was perched upon it. You should be able to see them easily enough. I say original, and that is because the statue sculptor supposedly recreated a duplicate, wink wink, after the first quote-unquote burnt down. The recreation still stands in Jackson Park today. The only difference between the two is that a Phrygian cap could be seen hanging upon the staff of the original, whereas the recreation exhibits a plaque that reads Liberty and is partly obscured by an encircling laurel wreath. His name is Daniel Trester French, by the way, and he's better known for the Lincoln statue within the Lincoln Memorial. I guess what I'm saying, or rather suggesting, is that the double take of the two seemingly identical statues may indeed be another hoax in so much that they're both the same and were victimized yet again by another switcheroo. The reason I'm saying so is that it's all part of the theatrics, trying to keep us confused. Still, now that I'm thinking about it, I am somewhat inclined to believe that French did indeed create the statue as it speaks far more esoterically to the plot at hand. The destruction of the 1893 Columbian Exposition was a controlled demolition, obviously. But even afterwards, the wrecking crew was in on it. You figure they'd have to be. Otherwise, the wrong person might snoop around and begin to ask questions. Our history writers got a little too lazy this time around in telling us that the Chicago House Wrecking Company was only formed to make Chicago go away. That's not really the obvious part, though. After cleaning up the mess in Jackson Park, the Chicago House Wrecking Company began making their services known to the other world fairs. Cleaning up the Trans-Mississippi Exposition of 1899, the Pan-American Exposition of 1901, as well as the St. Louis Exposition of 1904, were all a part of their creative handiwork. And it only makes sense that they would. Gotta have the right people bought and paid for. And anyways, there she stands. The Palace of Fine Arts, or as she's known today, Chicago's Museum of Science and Industry. Isn't it neat how they can keep reclaiming buildings like that? One year it houses the artwork, and then a little later, science. I'm sure that's the first time something like that ever happened though, seeing as how Burnham, the, the architect, conveniently designated it as a permanent building and all. Also amazing how there's no fire damage with all that falling ember. Not even the roof was scorched. Sure, the Palace of Fine Art survives, but what you won't often hear in the Chicago World's Fair narrative is that the Art Institute in Chicago was also constructed as a part of the Columbian Exposition, and it too survives. It stands today. Dig around a little and you'll come to find that the Art Institute was capable of withstanding the inferno because it was the only building which wasn't built on the fairgrounds. Kind of odd, don't you think? I mean, it wasn't built of plaster, no. I thought they were all built of plaster. Well, the Art Institute was constructed with the sole purpose of permanence rather than temporary. ChooseChicago.com gives us the following nugget of information. The Art Institute of Chicago building is the second of the two remaining buildings from the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition. 
It's also one of the only fair buildings not on or near the grounds of Jackson Park. During the six months of the fair, it was used as an auxiliary building for international assemblies and conferences. That pretty much says it all right there. I mean, if you're pressed to build an amusement park for 27 million visitors in as little as two years time, which is furthermore only expected to run for six months, and you only have the budget and resources for two permanent buildings, then why would you purposefully place one of them away from the action? That's a little too convenient and makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Probably why you'll find very little talk about its origins. And anyways, they're essentially telling us what we already know. If they built it for conferences, then I think it's safe to say we're looking at another repurposed building. Two years after its destruction, the White City remained in ruins. Newspapers attempted to keep the psychodramatic episode alive on the front burner of the public consciousness for years thereafter. Let the juices simmer a little longer. Photographs such as these, which was published in the Inland Printer in 1895, demonstrate their underhandedness. Reliving the adventure is one of the ways you can identify a psyop, you know. Because Intel isn't interested in the day-to-day -day events of real people. They only invest in their own fingerprints. Best to retrieve their old movies from the shelf and remind us of their handiwork every 5 or 10 years, whenever the anniversary rolls around. In 1895, though, you have to wonder if Americans had any appreciation for what was probably already being cooked up in this photo. Whenever it comes down to predictive programming, the indoctrinated rarely ever do. Nothing depicted here happened by accident either. The person lounging around in the ruins of Machinery Hall is identified to us as William Wallace Denslow. Recognize his name? In a few short years, he would become the illustrator for L. Frank Baum's The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Also no coincidence that the Emerald City was based on the Chicago World Fair. Notice how Denslow has purposefully arranged the photograph so that only the obelisk remains, reminding us once again of the obvious. The Chicago World Fair was a satanic ceremony.